Hello and welcome to Rianne's Nature Scope. I'm the host, Rianne. Today I am joined by Thomas, the host of Ski Stuff, and Julia, the host of The Struggle is Real. Over on Thomas's podcast, we talked about the adaption of skis over the years and how they were created. And there's been lots of adaptations uh, within skiing. And on Julia's podcast, we talked about how the understanding and treatments for mental illness has adapted over the years. Since the 1590s, uh, there have been like huge changes and lots of progress with that. In this episode, we talked and compared the location adaptions of the 1968 and the 1997 versions of Romeo and Juliet. Recently in class, we've been watching two movie versions of Romeo and Juliet, uh, a 1968 version and a 1996 version. Uh, So I have a couple questions uh, for you guys about uh, the locations of where they filmed these movies. So um, how do you guys think they are adapting the locations where they are filmed to both represent like the time era they want to represent in the movie and the characters? Um, well, I can see um, the uh, uh, 90, or sorry, the 68 version clearly wanting to go for like the real Romeo and Juliet feel, um, kind of, you know, it's a classic across time, you know, you should watch it with your family, you know, um, maybe like the older part of the family, not the younger kids might have some inappropriate scenes in there, fear, discretion advised. But you can see how the 96 version kind of adapts for a modern audience, a desensitized generation who wants kind of shorter attention spans, you know, quick cuts, you get to see more action. But they both do keep out some topics that Shakespeare included that might be a little more offensive or not portrayed as like a good thing in um, modern society, both in 1968 and 96. Yeah, I really do agree with what you said, because I found in the 1968 one. Yeah, that's the... That's, yeah. yeah. Um, that one was, you know, I, their scenery was mostly like, I kind of felt like it seemed to be the colors weren't as vibrant. It was like there were bricks all over the place. So it, was, it seemed to be more like, you know, older to like, you know, represent his play. Exactly. Whereas that was very uh, different from the time it was actually filmed. Because in 1968 was where multiple colors were being introduced into clothing and advertisement and basically the world. It was producing more like neon colors and yeah. like vibrant like colors whereas, exactly kind of flowers and whereas yeah. the movie represented renaissance time where it's not as vibrant colors and more plain colors and how they coordinated red to be capulets and blue to be montagues yeah exactly like i felt like the blue and the red were pretty much the only vibrant colors however you know back in the the 19 90 or when it was the newer one is 1996 yeah Yeah, 1996 one uh they had plenty of colors which right now we'd call those like you know modern colors like the normal colors that everyone uses yeah yeah there's something you'd expect to see in like a bright kind of fast-paced city um they're very vibrant kind of remind you of tropical like 
yeah, California. Yeah, because I, I think the, that time, the 1990s, was when Hawaiian shirts were very popular. I mean, they still are very popular to this day, but they were very popular back then, and you can see the, uh, Montague, the Montagues wearing a lot of uh, vibrant colors, whereas the Capulets were very, um, very serious looking and more elegant, but still very vibrant. Yeah, for sure. Like I felt like compared to the older version, this one was much more relaxed, like in the way how they dress, you know, it's kind of like they're going on a vacation for the, the Montagues were like, you know, it's just like colorful flower shirts and stuff like that. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, how do you guys think, relating back to uh, my past episode uh, about Bard on the Beach, how do you guys think Bard on the Beach adapts their festival to not only BC as a location, but also the BC weather? I can see how, you know, they do it in the summer and they have to, I, I'm sure they've postponed some of the uh, um, events a couple of times just due to the fact that uh, rain it's BC and Vancouver, but I'm sure they um, plan ahead, you know, look at the weather um, and they just dress accordingly and make sure they're um, ready for, you know, anything kind of thing. Yeah, like Tom said, you know, they try to dress accordingly, meaning like even for their makeup and stuff, they if it's like raining, you make sure to put like a waterproof setting spray or something. So you always have to like just be careful that if it's going to be raining to just be prepared and stuff and I'm, I'm, I'm guess, guessing I haven't been there in a while I don't think or yeah I think I went when I was pretty young but they had like umbrellas and like stuff all over the place it was if it was a raining rainy day so they did adapt to it yeah mm-hmm. and uh from what I know of the location of the festival and the setup they do for the amphitheater uh, mainly it's the stage that's covered, but I think they, like, they plan it so that it is in the summertime, like Thomas said, so that, you know, the audience doesn't get rained on or, you know, snowed on or Mm -hmm. anything to do with BC weather. Yeah, for sure. They want it to be, like, an enjoyable experience rather than just sitting in the rain for a couple hours. Speaking of the plays in Romeo and Juliet, um, literary devices are used quite, uh, a lot in Romeo and Juliet. As we can see, they used in many Shakespearean works um, to great success, and they're still recognized today. Yeah, and both the Baz Luhrmann and the 1960, or 1996 version of Shakespeare, the 1968 version and the play itself, we can both see some literary devices used. Yeah, the three main ones are metaphor, symbolism, and dramatic irony, and are very important to the kind of aspects and themes of Romeo and Juliet. Um, and they've been used in many Shakespeare plays, but they're, in a, they're essential to Romeo and Juliet and the plot within Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, Romeo thinks that when he goes to the party where he meets Juliet, there will be some consequences, and that will end in untimely death in Act 1, Scene 4. Both lovers announce to Friar Lawrence that they will commit suicide if they cannot be together. Yeah, the dramatic irony and foreshadowing within um, Romeo and Juliet is quite palpable. I just got a question before we go on with the conversation. Have you guys found any times in your life where you felt foreshadowing was there or 
do you think that's just kind of like a book thing or a movie thing? I, I'm not too sure. Um, I, I mean, I, I do have deja vu sometimes, yeah. but I don't know if that's specifically foreshadowing. No, no yeah. I, I feel like they just keep it to books and movies Yeah, and I can think of one time, um, once when I was watching a hockey game, um, my uh, dog accidentally knocked down like a like a like a little action figure of the team, and I'm like, oh, is that mean they're gonna lose? And they ended up just losing in overtime. Um, it was a really good game. It wasn't an important game or anything, but they still lost in the end. Oh no! <laughs> Might have been your dog's fault. It was definitely my dog's yeah. fault, and I didn't knock on wood or anything, oh, so no. you know. Yeah, uh, you know, on the topic of literary devices, uh, Romeo and Juliet metaphors are also quite visible in all the versions. Yeah, you can see how Romeo keeps using metaphors to s describe Juliet's beauty, comparing her to a beauty of the sun and stars. Do you guys think that metaphors, speaking of metaphors, do you think they like kind of fit the play um, like in the themes and like the idea of true love? Definitely. I, I feel like there, you can find many metaphors in this play and in the movie versions. Uh, you just have to look for them and mm -hmm. there, there can be so many different possibilities and different point of views that you see it. So if you see certain people as good guys rather than bad guys, or if you see um, you know, different characters as being more powerful or mm -hmm. less powerful, you can see different themes and different metaphors. And I could, you can also see, like, people use metaphors, like, like mentioned earlier, Romeo and Juliet. Oh, your beauty is more than the sun and the stars and the moon and whatnot. Like, all that. It's very romantic, so you can kind of see. It, it will fit the type of play. Yeah, and I also love how he includes them, because, in my opinion, I always find it fun just, like, trying to find them during the play, yeah. which is quite entertaining. And I find that it does add to the play a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rianne's Nature Scope. Make sure to stay tuned for more episodes to come.